This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. By combining the might of Facebook with the narrative element of experiential computer games like Oregon Trail or The Sims, social gaming developer Zynga was able to become one of the fastest-growing companies on the Internet. Andrew Trader was a member of Zynga's founding team in 2007 and until last year served as Executive Vice President of Sales and Business Development. Now, entrepreneur-in-residence at Maveron, a venture capital firm, Trader recently talked to Knowledge at Wharton about Zynga's success and the rise of social gaming. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank and you, Rachel. This is my pleasure. Great. Um, first of all, I'd just like to talk to you a little bit. I understand that you are currently entrepreneur-in-residence at Maveron, yes. which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. Yeah, Maveron. Maveron. It's a made-up um, word, so you're not expected to know it. Great. <laughs> a venture capital firm. And so tell me a little bit about what that job entails. Um, as an EIR, I am looking for my next big opportunity. So I am thrilled to be working with people who are. Uh, Wharton grads, uh, Amy Arrett and Mark Minnell, um, lucky enough to, to have a, a little uh, Wharton mafia or Koretsu. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they are, the, the, the working relationship is I'm, I'm looking for uh, my next big opportunity and I work with them uh, either by bring, bringing them um, interesting opportunities and, and they show me interesting things that, that, that they're pursuing or that they're looking into. And so it's, it's a great symbiotic relationship. And for me, my next big opportunity kind of has four criteria. It's uh, a, a transformational consumer experience, um, something that's massively scalable, Something that uses the same social gaming mechanics, the successful social gaming mechanics that that uh, have made Farmville, Cityville, and Zynga's other games very so successful, um, may not be necessarily a game per se, but uses the, some of the s- similar mechanics, and also something that has uh, a little bit of social benefit. Um, Zynga has has raised now four million dollars for charities, including Haiti and and Jap- uh, Japanese Relief, and that that to me is is a really important part of the overall mission. Um, and at the end of the day, that transformational consumer experience is really what uh, gets me excited. Um, you know, the, the reason, part of the reason for, for Zynga's, um, you know, uh, historic success and growth has been <clears throat> their ability to, to uh, create a, a, a quick, easy, lightweight, Fun social interaction with with your real friends, and it changed everything. It, it took game, online games out of the shadows and put it into the you know the the light of day into the mass market in the hands of the of the mass market. Um, and I, I've been lucky enough to be in, in sort of ahead of three big um, uh, transformational consumer experiences. So Zynga with social games. Tribe with social networks and um, core metrics with e-commerce, making making sense out of e-commerce with data and analytics, which is which is um, you know part of the reason I'm I'm so happy to be working with Professor Fader and and Professor Bradlow um, at the uh, Wharton uh, Customer Analytics I- Initiative, WCAI. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, so tell me, I guess. 
What, what kind of, I mean, what type of tech startups do you think will be the wave of the future? Is it going to be more social gaming? It seems like a lot of location-based things had come up, or Groupon and Groupon clones. Social. What's next? It's all social. We are just scratching the surface when it comes to social. Uh, you know, the social um, social media has changed everything. I mean, it, it has changed the the user experience. It has changed. It's lowered the bar for startups, and it's created companies of historic uh, proportions in terms of, of uh, growth. And I I believe that you know the way that we find, use, consume media, commerce, shopping, um, services, everything is going to involve a social component, and um, that's. That's that's over the next few years where the massive opportunity is is going to be. And, and if you if you don't know, according to the Wall Street Journal, um, uh, Groupon and Zynga are two of the fastest growing companies, if not the two fastest growing companies, in the history of commerce. And it's and it's because they nailed that 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 social component. Mm-hmm. And that actually brings me to my next question. I mean, it seems like a lot of people are trying. I mean, social. I mean, everybody is trying to do things with social media. There are a lot of startups in this space, and a lot of you know people taking you know the Groupon model and trying to capitalize that on that, mm-hmm. the Zanga model and trying to do that. And I've been reading a lot about sort of people weighing in on what do they think separates the ones that make it from the ones that don't. And so I guess I'm going to pose that question to you. I mean, what do you think it is that ha- that sets those startups that make it apart? Yeah. What factor is the most important? Um, <clears throat> it's providing a authentic, compelling, valuable social experience. And you know, Zynga and Groupon are a little bit different. Um, Zynga, the, that that social compulsion, continues to be a very um, or that 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 social connection continues to be a very deep and real. Um, uh, Compulsion for the for the daily usage of of the games, and Zing, uh, Groupon started that way. Groupon had they nailed that social selling piece that deals were only active once they tipped, which m- meant they hit a uh, sort of a minimum threshold, and that was a reason for users to go out and 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 send that to their friends because they wanted to. You know, whatever the Groupon was of the day, they they wanted to take advantage of the deal, but they could only get it if a certain number of people um, took advantage of it. The problem now is that th- those things tip if we, in two you know, minutes. In two minutes, right? Um, and so there's, you know, it's it's lost a little bit of that social compulsion, and I, I think Groupon has a massive um, potential opportunity uh, if it could if it could reignite that. You know that um, that social dynamic, and I I I am confident that they probably will. Mm-hmm. With Zynga, you know, it starts with that social element, and what they've done amazingly well uh, is um, use the social the, the social gaming mechanics. So, for example, harvesting in uh, Farmville, uh, a energy and gifting mechanic in. Um, mafia wars and a neighbor mechanic in Cityville, all of which, you know, encourage the user to not only play today, but also come back tomorrow. Because in Farmville, there's nothing worse than having your crops wither. And in in um, mafia wars, 
you know, there's nothing that makes me happier than somebody adding me to their to their mafia, and 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 I'll, I'll I will want to repay that favor. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like I guess when looking at like Farmville and Cityville and some of those other Zenga games on Facebook, it kind of brings me back to those days when I was a kid and I was playing Oregon Trail. Actually, <laughs> when you know you're yep, trying to yep. make sure you're. Your settler doesn't die right. of cholera. Yeah. Your food doesn't get robbed. I mean, what do you feel like? I mean, I remember actually bringing that to my college dorm on the floppy disk. And you know, <laughs> even though we're adults at that point, like people were trying to borrow it up and yeah, down the hall. This right. most popular person for a day. I mean, what do you think it is about that kind of? I mean, about social gaming that's really made it catch on with customers that makes people really, you know, obs- you know, almost obsessed with coming back and making sure their farm is staying alive, making sure they're taking out people in mafia wars. There, <clears throat> it's funny that you bring up Oregon Trail. By the way, there were two versions of Oregon Trail in the early days of the Facebook platform that both took off and then went to zero. And the problem was there wasn't enough depth in the game. And if you weren't, if you if you weren't, and and it ended soon, and it ended too fast. Um, So if you weren't developing those games in a way that had um, significant depth, so that a user found value in it every single day, every single visit. They're just short-lived, um, and and that was the problem with a lot of gaming. The only you know the the problem with the online gaming experience. Just remember all the way back to two thousand six, the the online gaming experience was either this uh, this ca- either casual games that you could play on on Pogo or Yahoo Games or AOL games, where it was a, it was a single-player experience. It was solitary. You felt dirty after you played the games, but they were fun and a little bit addictive and you couldn't stop once you started, but it wasn't a fulfilling experience because it wasn't social, you weren't playing with your real friends and you're looking over your shoulders seeing if anybody's watching you. And um, the other experience was was the hardcore MMOs like World of Warcraft, which is a great, you know, is a great niche of 10 million <laughs> monthly users, but it's still a niche and it's very hardcore and it's not for everybody. And you invest... Your users invest three, four, five hours a day in, in games like that. Social games hit a mass market for three reasons. This was our, our belief when, when uh, Mark Pincus and I and the founding team at Zynga were talking about social gaming. Our belief was we could, hit, we could reach a mass market by, one, making them fun and quick and easy. Two, making them real social so you're playing with your real friends. And three, enabling the user to uh, express themselves in the game. If they were willing to express, if, if you provided a way for them to express themselves, they'd be willing to invest their time, their social network, and even a little bit of hard dollars. Now, it would seem like, I mean, to figure out, to make sure that a game is going to create that value and that experience for a consumer, that if you're developing it, you would really have to, I mean, really play it all the way through and sort of delve into those layers to make sure that it does. So can you tell me a little bit about that process in terms of your experience at Zanga and maybe some of the projects you're working on now? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I, I still remember, I still remember the first time that, that, that I really had that emotional um, connection. I was playing Scramble. One of our first word games is a game called Scramble. And I was playing with my buddy Scott Konigsberg. And Scotty is a good buddy of mine. He's a uh, Penn grad, um, lives in the neighborhood, but I never see him. I, I, I hardly ever call him on the phone and, we, and rarely emailed each other and forget about texting or, or, or IMing each other. I mean, just 
there's no time for that, right? We have busy lives and families. And so when I was playing uh, Scramble with him, it was an asynchronous game, which meant you didn't have to be online at the same time. When, when we were playing that game, it felt like no time had passed between times that I actually did see him because there was that real fun, quick, competitive, um, you know, connection that we were sharing. And that's when it, that's when it all, the lights came on for me. And, um, uh, you know, it was at that moment that I felt very confident that, that Zynga's games would, could reach the mass market and could deliver this really satisfying um, social experience. And it, apparently it worked for Scotty, too, because um, he came and joined, our, uh, joined Zynga a couple of years ago, and now he is the general manager of, uh, of Cityville. Oh, okay. And now, so I mean, was it basically a matter of where everyone at Zanga was getting obsessed with not letting their crops die on Farmville <laughs> a couple of months before the Facebook Facebook users were to sort of make sure the game was going to work the way you intended it to work? Um, <clears throat> so, big studios managing all kinds of new features, but building on those social gaming mechanics. So you're really you're you're really zeroing in on the stuff that that drives that compulsion. As a user, you're not exactly sure that's, that's, that's what's at work there. You just know that getting a gift from somebody feels really good. And when you do, you want to you wanna return a favor. Or somebody asking you to be their neighbor, hey, that feels really good. I want to I pay, pay that person back. And oh, by the way, it felt so good. I'm, I want to invite a couple other um, pe- friends of my real friends to be m- my neighbors. Oh, and by the way, by doing that, it's actually helping me progress faster in the game. I'm accelerating my experience in the game. So all of those things are at, are at play. And we have great, I mean, phenomenal te- uh, product and development teams that innovate around those social gaming mechanics and adding features, innovating features. Um, but that's, that's also why Zynga has 1,600 people now. Each each studio can have sixty, eighty, a hundred people in it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, what do you think? Um, I mean, how do you think the customers' affinity for social gaming, that ripple effect that we were just talking about? I mean, can that be leveraged into other sectors? I mean, can you take what made Farmville work, what makes Cityville work, and put that into the business world? For example, I mean, is that does it apply, or is it? So the 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 trend now is called gamification, which I find a little bit hard to say, but. So, so suffice to say, gamification means applying those those successful social gaming mechanics to other areas, and the answer is absolutely. There's there's nothing that I find more valuable than when a friend suggests an article for me to read. I don't find anything more valuable than than when uh, a friend says, "Hey, um, I got these climbing shoes at REI. You should check them out." There's nothing more valuable for me, you know, when a when a friend says, um, "Hey, I I just you know I found a new um, financial advisor, I found a new doctor, I found a new, right." Well, there's all these services, restaurants, right? Every almost every aspect of my life is is more better, satisfying, fulfilling, easier than when my friends are suggesting or recommending or or 
um, able to have some input on the things that I do and buy and see and watch and consume, eat. And so I believe every one of those Every one of those industries that are that that um, are affected will will benefit from social. Now, how do you take? I mean, when you say gamification, I mean, how do you take that idea of friends suggesting things to friends, and wh- where does the game part come in? I mean, where does the, where does the part of sort of turning <coughs> yeah, something maybe right. mundane that you're doing at your office into a game? I mean, how does how do you do well, that? So, so let's mm-hmm. take let's take health and wellness for a second. I mean, imagine if a, a health insurance company was so progressive that they said, you know what, for every for el- everything that you do that's that's healthy or that benefits you uh, from a wellness standpoint. We're going to give you. We're going to give you points. So, um, you know, eat a healthier diet. See a doctor more regularly. Um, have your blood pressure checked. Uh, take vitamins. Right. All all of these things. You're going to get. You're going to get points in this. In this, the game of health. Uh, the health game. The wellness game. And you're. You know, as you progress, you're. You're not only going to get. Um, you know these virtual benefits, right? Will put you on a leaderboard among your friends. Of here's here's AT, and he's a super healthy guy. But also turn it into uh, into a, a real valuable um, experience by you know having it affect my premiums because I'm doing all of these things, right? So so there's so there's a a, a potential carrot um, as well. And that's just one example, but. Kind of all goes all the way back to when you're a kid and you're playing the game of life and putting your little car on exactly. the Exactly, the game of life. Now tell me, I guess, I mean, as we, I mean, as social media has grown, there's been a lot of talk about this idea that, you know, I mean, people are more comfortable sharing things about themselves. They're more comfortable maybe sharing things that might have been private years and years ago. But, I mean, what are the challenges of creating a profitable social gaming application but balancing that with the need to protect users' privacy mm-hmm. and also sort of police against scams and protect them against scams? So uh, Zynga has always been super, super sensitive to privacy issues um, and so, you know, hasn't hasn't uh, made sure to follow the Facebook terms of service and whatever platforms terms of service that we've been on. Uh, make sure we've been following those extremely closely. Um, and, and frankly, I think the best news from an overall privacy standpoint, right, because I'm a consumer too, I, 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 I want my privacy protected. I think the best news um, has been Facebook's aggressive approach to privacy um, has had you know, significant backlash in the last um, half a year. And it's, it's made them rethink a number of their policies and, and approaches. And I think it's for the better of, of everybody. I think, I think Facebook, its users, and its development community are all benefiting from, from um, sort of those learnings. Now, in terms of, I mean, because Sanga and other, and other applications like, like it have been so successful, successful, I mean, you probably get a lot of companies, you know, want, I mean, wanting to be a part of that because that's business. I mean, that's obvious that you would want to. But maybe some of them aren't necessarily the types of offers you'd want to give to your users. I mean, when you're developing anything like that and it becomes successful, I mean, how do you sort of police that and kind of balance out, you know, the fact that you do need to run a business and make yeah. revenue with Oh, I see. You're talking about the offers. Um, yeah, I mean, you, some of the offers where people can spend money to get points right. and coins and things. So uh, that that whole process has has been totally redefined in the last, you know, it's going back almost two years now. Um, and once we realized that there were offers that were 
you know, we're misleading, we're scammy, we're spammy, we're confusing, we're, you know, fraudulent. We took a really, really hard line and we, we dropped all of the offers from our site for over a month. And we wanted to make sure that, that we had a system in place that, that would help monitor as well as have a manual process for, for evaluating and approving every single offer that went, on to, went um, uh, back uh, onto the offer walls. Um, and Facebook changed their, their policies to ensure that uh, the, the user experience was protected. So I feel I feel good now that the that that the industry as a whole has has kind of addressed that for the benefit of the consumer. So I mean, going forward, I mean, do you feel like this is something that you know people? I mean, what sort of conversations do you see happening around that around the privacy and the and the potential scams? I mean, it seems like because it's an industry that kind of grew up so fast, like people are sort of these things are coming up, and it's sort of everybody's innovating as they go mm-hmm. almost to try and. But you know, those offers have been around a long time. In in on different places in different forms, but those offers have have kind of always been there, um, and you can fi- you can find them all over the web, and they're and they're not as regulated, frankly, as they are on on Facebook and some of the other networks, and they don't have companies like Zynga who are who are championing the the user experience, um, and you know with the understanding that if if you violate the trust of, of a user, that user will never come back, mm-hmm. um, so. I, I feel really good that on a going forward basis, Zynga and, and Facebook are, and, and the other, and I trust the other developers are, you know, sort of have the same view that um, that they'll continue to keep the the user experience sort of first and foremost. Now, getting back to your your healthcare example, actually illustrated it really well. I mean, this this idea. I mean, if someone's doing is sort of playing this healthcare game, they're not only kind of getting things from themselves; they're also providing a great amount of data to that company that it can use to sort of improve its services or affect its services somehow. I mean, how do you feel like that the data and the analytics collected via social gaming and other social media sites? I mean, what's the potential there? I mean, how is improved how is the improved technology allowed companies to mm. kind of leverage this? Yeah. So so. Great question, and this is part of the the conversation that I had with um, with uh, my my presentation at lunch today. I might have read your PowerPoint. <laughs> Dirty little secret of um, of Zynga is f- of of the five um, uh, sort of corporate values, none more important than being metrics driven. And for Zynga, that meant you know if you can't measure something, don't build it. If you couldn't measure the results, don't try it because, you know, what, what, how do you know what's working? How do you know what isn't? And, and so for, especially in the early days, it's hard, it's hard to be true to that, um, you know, to that value. But what it did was it instilled in our culture, in our, in our company's DNA, a real, a real um, uh, uh, significant emphasis on, on metrics. And I believe that that was a, a differentiator between uh, Zynga and, and a lot of our competitors. Um, the the you know the the ability to test, analyze, optimize, repeat <laughs> that that cycle um, was you know just instrumental in in driving significant growth. And I hear this all the time from from companies. They got. Eight people, twelve people, twenty-five people, and they say, "You know, we're gonna we're thinking about hiring an analytics person." And then, 
And I say, well, it's too late. <laughs> you know, if, you, if that wasn't in the fabric of your DNA um, from the outset, it's really, really hard to, to you know, try to backfill that. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 would, I would say that um, everybody at Zynga in particular, developers, product managers, uh, business people, executives, CEO, everybody had that focus on metrics and transparency, um, which, which really did allow us to you know, innovate quickly, test things really, really aggressively, and ultimately you know, kind of dominate this, this space. Because there's never a silver bullet, right? There's no, we, you get the strategy generally right. We weren't even the first, uh, so poker was the first game that we, we launched. We weren't the first, we were the third poker game to launch. So it wasn't about being early. It wasn't being in the right place at the right time. It was, it was Mark Pincus's stroke of genius to, to launch poker, but it took just great execution and understanding both the viral uh, pieces of it and innovating around the social the social elements, and every step of the way, every incremental improvement was always about testing, analyzing, optimizing, repeating. And you know, like I, 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 it almost sounds cliche, but it comes down to execution always. You know, there's there, you once you get the strategy generally right, it, it's it's about who can um, execute against their plan better. And, re- and respond and react faster. And it's interesting to think that, you know, users probably don't think about it, but every bushel of corn that they buy, I mean, there's a number behind that that you can use there to is. tell you different things about that's the right. site. And that's people right. probably don't even think about it. No, that's right. And, in fact, that we the the three priorities that we always had at Zynga were reach, retention, and revenue. We called them the three R's. And in the early days, it was about reach. And then it was about reach and retention. And then reach retention and revenues. And we never did anything in those early days uh, for revenue at the expense of reach and retention. But within each one of those um, priorities, there are a set of metrics that you look at. So reach, you know, you're looking at my viral growth, my, my, my uh, uh, paid cost of acquisition, my uh, cross-promotion capability. Retention, you looked at um, uh, uh, my day one retention. How many of those users that came uh, the first day ever returned. What's my week one retention? What's my uh, average number of, of uh, days per user? And then the revenue side, you've got metrics like um, average revenue per user. It's called ARPU, or we sometimes call it um, revenue per DAU, daily active user. And for each one of those uh, metrics, you know, you're you're analyzing it and optimizing to the extent that it you know, doesn't impact what your overall priorities. And so, you know, we found, we found some great insights. Uh, the, the, the managing reach, the insight was growth is a leaky bucket. <laughs> and if you, if you, uh, um, you know, j- don't allow, uh, offer users a valuable experience every single day, every single time they come back and keep, keep building depth into the game, that leaky bucket will have no bottom. <laughs> um, so no matter how fast you keep putting users into the top of that uh, funnel, they're just going to spill out. Um, the the um, insight around retention was, 
retention is really the leading indicator. So of all of the three priorities of uh, reach, retention, revenue, retention, the leading priority, uh, leading indicator. If you get retention right, revenue and and uh, reach will follow. Um, and then you know on the on the revenue side, it was really about self-expression. So if you allowed a user to um, uh, to express themselves through the game, uh, they would spend, be willing to spend hard dollars on that on a game. And, and a couple of uh, sort of sub-insights, the way that um, men and women spend money, like why they spend money is, is, is a little bit different. Women are all are very aspirational. And so um, if, some, if a woman's playing Farmville, she says, Hey, if I had a farm, this is how I would want it to look. I have a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, red farmhouse with a white picket fence, and a, and and a lot of women were willing to pay for that. So women were nesting, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. And and men were all about like ruthless efficiency. Must beat my buddy. Do it in less time, and I'm willing to pay for that privilege. Um, hunting and gathering. <laughs> um, Interesting. So, yeah. So now tell me, I'm um, to change Jack a little bit, and what is your biggest challenge as a leader? Um, my biggest challenge as a leader, I think it's, um, it's managing a, a balance between, you know, sort of the, those, those professional um, values and, and uh, personal values. And... What I what I love is companies where you can kind of integrate both, um, and you know Zynga did a masterful job at at uh, getting the the professional values right, and I see other companies like uh, Groupon where they're they're doing a really good job now of 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 integrating um, the pers- you know the the personal values too. You can you can hear by the the tone of of their emails by the by the um, uh, bios of the executives right they're they they're letting their personalities kind of creep into the into their um, uh, management styles and and I think that's a, I think that's great and it, it's it's something that I definitely aspire to and it's and it's not necessarily easy, especially in the world of startups, where there's a level of intensity that that you know and, and uncertainty that you're you're constantly fighting, right? You don't know whether or not this product is going to take off. You don't know if the business model is going to work. You don't know if the funding is going to come through, right? There's 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 so much uncertainty that it that it it gets it's hard at times to um, you know strike a good balance and. That's that is, and that that can have a that has an impact on the people that that work with you, and and um, uh, it 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 can it can be it can be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of there was a survey I think that was reported on one of my coworkers talked about it, like the idea that the, like I think it was Google that had done a survey and found out that it was really important to employees that their managers be nice, that they, they're personable, <laughs> like not just tech know-how, right. but also that they have yep. sort of the personal right. know-how. And, that, and, that's, and that's the point I'm trying to make is they're, you know, you, people have families and people have interests outside of work and they have, and, and you want to foster those things. You want to give people time and energy and space to, to 
you know, have that, that, uh, that, those other fulfilling things. Um, and it, you know, it can be challenging when you're, when you're in the heat of, of a startup. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Now tell me, what is your, what is your favorite part of the job? And conversely, what, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> um, <clears throat> favorite part of the job with Mavron? Um, I love working with entrepreneurs. It is so fabulous. The, the energy and the ideas and the creativity, the intellectual horsepower is, and the exchange of ideas, the willing, the, that open communication and, and exchange is so fun and so exciting. It's, it's like being on an idea conveyor belt. And the, the, the people at... Uh, the, the approach at Mavron is putting entrepreneurs first. So they focus on the entrepreneur, less so the business, the business model. And it's such a great and, and um, unusual approach because they correctly presume that the entrepreneur or the team, whatever their idea is currently, it's going to change. And they're going to have to pivot. And... And you just want to back people that you have a high degree of confidence are going to be able to to pivot quickly, um, correctly, and um, and you know keep on a on a successful path. So that's 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 what I like so much about about current role and uh, and Mavron in particular. And now, what conversely, what what keeps you what keeps you up at night? What's um, what keeps me up at night? Um, I. I can't stop thinking about the next big opportunity, and so I've you know been going deep on a few things recently, um, social applications, and when I when I um, I you know I, 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 when I when I start getting the wheels turning, it's really really hard to shut them off. I think about product, I think about business model, I think about competition, I think about you know a, a team, I think about execution, I think about um, so it's. It's it's fun, but <laughs> there are times I wish I could shut that off a little easier. Right, it's not one of those jobs you can leave. You leave no, at the you office. can't. You can't. At, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank it's you, been great. Rachel. I really appreciate it. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.